This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. Let's take Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks in what feels like forever that we've been on. Uh, there's been the customary football break for Raya and you name it. But we're back now. And uh, with myself, Cam Raslan, we have Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. I'm still here. Uh, the legendary and very dependable Bob Holmes. And we have back after a very long time, Malaysia's number one Aston Villa fan, Goglan. Uh, welcome, welcome. Thank you, thank you. It's been a while. It's It's been a while. We're going to talk Villa a bit later, but I just want to say, uh, Goglan, that since when you were last on, Villa were like absolute mid-table mediocrity. They've gone on this incredible <laughs> run, and clearly you're jinxing it by coming back on the show. It is why I'm trying not to get back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hopefully in the course of the show, Des Corkill will join us. You know, may or may not happen, but don't be surprised if we suddenly hear from Des Corkill. So let's begin with, uh, this is going to be Premier League all the way because things are, are hotting up. And uh, we're going to start with the, the midweek matches. Uh, Bob, Man City 3, West Ham 0. Haaland has now broken uh, the record for the highest amount of goals in one season in the Premier League to which uh, Gary Lineker said, just wait till he gets used to the Premier League. And uh, that's, I mean, some people say that football began earlier than the Premier League. And you actually, I think, saw Dixie Dean, who scored 63 goals. I think you saw him in his prime. So uh, how does Haaland rank? Uh, he was fading when I uh, came on the scene. Um, no, he was uh, pre-war, actually, Dixie Dean, wasn't he? Oh, 19 oh, sorry. 1933. Right. I mean, when you think about it, 90 years, uh, no one ever thought that anyone would come anywhere near that, his record, uh, even halfway. Um, and even the um, Alan Shearer, Andy Cole uh, Premier League record has stood for a while, hasn't it? It's 10, mm. it's more than 10 years, has to be. Uh, so this is quite an achievement, considering we're not at the end of the season that there was a mid-season break and Haaland uh, has been injured and also gets substituted quite often. When he's just licking his lips for more, Pep will bring him on uh, off and wrap him in cotton wool and you feel as if there are two or three more goals in him. A City are probably leading about four or five nil at that stage. The opposition is on the rack and he takes him off. So really, he could add to this tally. Um, I don't think you'll get Dixie Deans this season, which we ought to tell listeners uh, the exact figure. I hope someone's looked it up, but it's over 60, isn't it? 63. 63. I mean, 63 is insane. Yeah. But, and I, I mean, for a first season, ad adjusting to a uh, new country, new pace of uh, play and teammates, et cetera, et cetera. It is a phenomenal achievement, absolutely phenomenal. And, uh, well, next season, it's not as if uh, anyone's going to say, oh, well, we'll know what he's like, we will have sussed him out, etc. Um, I can see a repeat performance if he stays fit. And and yet, Gogolin, I, 
I mean, maybe it's just some kind of nostalgia, but I felt more thrilled by Alan Shearer as a striker than Haaland. I mean, I know it's, it sounds incre- Is that insane? Uh, it's a different time, though. I mean, I remember the Shearer days and, you know, the Premier League then, and it was a neck to neck with United, and Shearer was, you know, nagging in the goals and that trademark celebration of his. Mm. But Haaland is a different animal altogether. The team is built in such a way that, you know, Haaland is the focal point of that game. It was, that was what we thought at this point. Remember last season when we were talking about City and they needed a, they needed a finisher. I remember distinctly having conversations on this show about that and what they were missing was somebody to finish all those build-up play. And we were talking about when, if and when Haaland came and look at what's happened this season. He was like the missing jigsaw piece. You know, they have so much possession. They knocked the ball around and all that, but they never could finish, you know, they never had that finish after Aguero left. So mm. now Haaland has taken up that mantle and he and he, with, with, he's finishing. I mean, I mean everybody can see what he's doing. But let it be said that other players also pitch in. Grealish is a completely different player from, you know, last season. You know, he doesn't go down as much. Uh, you know, last time when he was playing for Villa, every time, every touch he goes down. He was the most foul player in the Premier League for three seasons in a row. So you're saying now, he's better? He's better now he's, than he has, Villa? He's, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got he's gotten better at, from at, after leaving Villa, obviously, because he's got his his positioning has changed. He's not the focal point of the game anymore. He's not the focal point of the team anymore. So he's lost that air about it. But he's now more hardworking. You, you, how many times have you seen him rush back and defend this season? Right. Mm. So you know you would have never seen the old Grealish do that. Well, I'm sure I can still find facts that show that uh, Man City are worse with uh, Harlan. Uh, <laughs> XGs or something. I'll find something. Hey, um, Bob, meanwhile, that's enough Man City talk. They're fantastic, etc. Arsenal, on the other hand, um, well, I mean, Arsenal, uh, uh, they're good, aren't they? They won 3-1 against Chelsea. Or is it just that Chelsea are very, very bad? Uh, a bit of both. Uh, but um, Arsenal, I think, uh, deserve credit for, for bouncing back. It was a bit more like the real Arsenal. Uh, they didn't really turn up against Man City. Uh, not many teams do. They were just overwhelmed. Um, and I was worried for them that it might affect the rest of their season. But it seems as if they've got it out of their system, judging by this performance anyway. And uh, they they briefly uh, went back to the top of the table, didn't they? Um, which is, it didn't last long, but psychologically i think it's important the fact that they're they keep bouncing up and down then they're not gone everyone thinks it's an absolute foregone conclusion well That's because it is it, bob it it is <laughs> it is almost it is almost but i mean city you could tell with the way the crowd reacted to the first city goal um in uh, in midweek they um they were it was relief more than anything else west ham had held out for almost uh, half the game. And, uh, you know, fans, being fans, get to say, oh, is it our night? Is it one of those nights? It just won't go in. There was that one of Rodri's which hit the post, travelled along the goal line and somehow kept out. You know, that sort of thing. It's football. It can happen. They only need to have one draw out of those remaining games and Arsenal, if Arsenal were to win all their games, they'd be um, they'd be level on points, wouldn't they? Mm. Right. Well, so uh, Man City almost run- a foregone conclusion. Yeah. Well, Man City's run-in will be against Everton, Chelsea, Brighton, and Brentford. So you could, yeah, you could see drop 
points there. Meanwhile, though, uh, Goglan, I don't know if there's much to say with this match. Uh, Man United against Brighton. What was it? Last night. And uh, Brighton managed to get a final goal in the dying moments. No, I, I think mean, this was uh, Brighton winning three games in a row against United, which was unheard of. So, you know, it's a record of sorts for Brighton. And to win, to beat United three times in a row is, you know, it's 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 something that, I mean, how far Brighton have come. They've they've scored how many goals in three games? Nine points in, I don't know, how many games? In, uh, and I, but to be fair, I, was, I watched the highlights of that game and the Brighton keeper had a blinder. He kept them in that match. I really don't know how. It was shots from Martial, Rashford, Anthony. You know, they were just taking shots at the goal and the keeper, I forgot his name. Jay uh, Steele. Steele, yeah. He was yeah. He, he was the Steele brigade there. So he kept them in the game. And then that that uh, handball on the 94th minute of the game by Luke Shaw, you know, from that corner was just what uh, Brighton fans were looking for. It, it was a lengthy, lengthy uh, VAR check and they eventually went to, got, they got the penalty and McAllister finished that with the, uh, oh, that, that was what a finish at the 94th minute, you know, or 97th minute, if I'm not mistaken, when they took the penalty and he sent they are the wrong way and, you know, so, so this is where Brighton are. They are, they are pushing up in the, uh, places like where you know you're beating teams like United, you're trashing teams like Wolves. So, what does that say about Deserby who came in halfway through the season? Oh well, I think we have to give credit to the uh, recruitment because they're going to lose players. They're going to lose. They are going yeah, to. Yeah, McAllister's lose leaving. He's he's he's, yeah. he's already uh, he's already told them they're leaving. And I don't know. I think um, uh, Mitoma is probably also be on the radar. Mm. You're right. Most of the players will be on the right. But this is the natural progression of teams like uh, Brighton and you know at a, one point Villa were like that. You know, you have a great season and your players get picked up by the top clubs. This is what goes wrong in the cycle unless you get bought by an oligarch or you get bought by a sovereign wealth fund. Mm. What, what are you going to be? seem to get better, don't they? That's yeah. the exactly, thing. yeah. They I were Brighton are what Southampton were you used to do. If you don't think, think, remember, back in the day, Southampton were like this, right? If if yeah. Brighton can continue this for the next few years, then people are going to have to write uh, academic papers on, on how they do it. Bob, you have 30 seconds meanwhile. Liverpool won Fulham nil. And Liverpool's goal, a 1-0, was a, a penalty. I don't think Liverpool under Klopp have ever had that scoreline. 1-0 and a penalty. <laughs> no, um, but uh, I think from Liverpool's point of view, uh, the fact that they sort of ground out the victory rather than uh, scoring five or six goals was almost a welcome change. It suggested that the defence was a, a little more solid than it has been. And uh, I think it, it proves that it's evolution, not revolution, that's going on at Anfield now. They've accepted, Jurgen Klopp has accepted that this is transition time. So he's experimenting, he's mucking about with Alexander-Arnold, as we've discussed, different position, uh, different role, this sort of thing. But um, what I took from this, as I did the previous game for Liverpool, was Luis Diaz makes a tremendous difference to them, and they've missed him really badly. If they don't get Champions League, uh, a Champions League slot, It'll be down to Luis Diaz's injury. Simple as that. And very quickly, Gogland, are they going to get the Champions League spot, Liverpool? I honestly don't think so. I think it's left it too late. United uh, have that advantage, have the game in hand. So it, it, it will it, it'll be a monumental mess up for on the United side if they allow Liverpool to get the Champions League spot. Let's put it right. this way. 
Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be looking at the upcoming matches over the weekend and focusing, first of all, on the relegation battles here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks with me, Bob, and uh, Goglin. I was going to say Des. I, we, we, we anticipate that uh, Des Messi... <laughs> will enter the stadium at some point during this this time. We don't know yet. Uh, so we're going to look at the some of the relegation fights. Uh, let's start, Goglin, with Man City versus Leeds United. Uh, this must be points in the bag for Man City, but it's Big Sam. Yeah, I think the big story here is Big Sam. That Big Sam has been called in. I mean, Pity Garcia, but Javi Garcia, to be sacked after that, I mean, or to let go, whatever they use nowadays is ridiculous. Leeds are a complete uh, joke right now. I mean, they have no idea what they're trying to do. The, the fans are turning on the players, and that is always a very bad sign. So they are very lucky that they are worse teams right now, you know. So if you ask me, the relegation battle is among, uh, the, the last spot is among Everton or Leeds right now. You know, I think Leicester probably, you know, with Dino there, he's in, so it's, it, if you ask me, Southampton Forest, so it's either Everton or Leeds. But back to this game, you know, what a game to start your fight back with against City. But uh, in the back of my mind, you know, I, I'm thinking what uh, Bob was saying earlier about, you know, the relief coming from fans, you know, if, you, you know, if City doesn't score and all that stuff. But it's the mental fortitude of winning of winning the premiership a couple of times that is ingrained in players, that it comes around. So the difference between Arsenal this season and City this season. A City players have already won it. So they know what it takes to come in. And at this point of the season, the fatigue and everything, you know, the only difference is the mental fortitude of champions. Uh, Ferguson had that at, player, at his players. And I always say, this is the only difference when it comes down to the April, May time, crunch time, is that that's the difference. So... I think City will take this. It, it might not be as comfortable as it looks on paper, but they will take the three points. Well, Bob, I mean, you're not, you're a Nottingham Forest fan, and so you are watching these battles at the bottom. Sam Allardyce, pound for pound, is in a sense the most, I think one of the most successful managers in English football because he keeps clubs up. I don't know where Bolton are nowadays, uh, League Two or something, but they. Um, uh, Five hundred thousand pounds he's getting for four matches. Uh, I wouldn't mind that gig. Well, it's three million, isn't it? If he keeps them up, it's uh, heavily weighted uh, towards uh, staying up. But they won't mind that because they they'll, they could be looking at a loss of hundreds of millions of pounds if they go down. It took them sixteen years to get back. You know, the last time they went down, they thought they were an established. Um, top flight club and they go down and it's 16 years before they come back. They even went into league, uh, league one along with other uh, big city clubs like forest, Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, Southampton. They've all been down in league one. It's the championship is a difficult league to get out of. So it was last chance saloon for Leeds. And I think they've done the right thing. I think that the vibe has changed. I believe the odds have changed slightly on uh, Leeds staying up. And now, they're not going to win this game against Man City. No. But I don't think so. But I think they could sneak a point or two from their remaining three games. Whereas before, under uh, Xavi Garcia, Gracia, they were, they were going to lose every game. 
I mean, I don't think he was going to stop any any slide whatsoever. Uh, they were they were really going downhill fast. Uh, so as a forest supporter, I'm a little bit concerned about this because I had more or less written leads off, but now I think they've got actually a slight chance of staying up. Well, they're one of three clubs on 30 points and safety would be 36, I think, 36, 37. Uh, so they're two wins away. Uh, meanwhile, though, Brighton, Goglin, Brighton versus Everton, uh, but by the way, can I Google, can I just point out that your your attitude on this show is very different from usual. You're a lot more confident because you're Aston Villa, I think, of doing well. So you're like, oh, yeah, they're rubbish. I know. I wasn't saying rubbish. I'm just, you know, I'm I'm glad that for a few seasons now we're not in a relegation battle. You know, I'm still looking over my shoulder. But yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I, we will do the, the, the Villa talk. But um, Everton, uh, do you I mean, I, I've, I am astonished that they are down there because I, I agree. I, I, the bounce is, the new manager bounce is gone. And now they're playing a Brighton that are revitalized, re-energized for the final push. And you can see how they, the, they've been playing, you know, especially the three points over United is going to be really, really uh, put them in good stead against an Everton who are still looking for inspiration. So, you know, back to what Bob's saying, and it, you know, this could be, I mean, as it goes down against Everton leads, the smart money would be on leads because of the big Sam signing. So you're you're going to consign Everton to the championship? Yes, I would say if, if it's if it's between Everton and Leeds right now, I would say that uh, Everton are looking like the one that are going to go down. Uh, Bob, how do you feel with Everton's chances? And what what has gone wrong? I mean, they've had a lot of money. They've spent more money than Liverpool. Would you believe over the last uh, six or seven years of uh, the uh, new owners' uh, tenure? Uh, Moshiri um, came in with good intentions and he, he is building a stadium but that doesn't get your points um, the buying policy has been absolutely disastrous uh, you, you, you can hardly think of a successful uh, signing that anyone who's actually been worth the money I mean some are, some are half decent players or better than half decent but they don't seem to work there they don't seem to gel and Ancelotti um, saw which way the wind was blowing. And when Real Madrid came calling, he didn't hesitate too long. I, I don't think he had to to think about which way the wind was blowing at all. I mean, uh, oh, Real Madrid. Okay. No, the wind was blowing before Real Madrid called. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, Bob Holmes is a Forest fan. So therefore, I'm going to call upon Gogolin to deliver the, the the sad news, perhaps. Forest versus Southampton. Southampton, they're bottom, and Forest are mathematic, well, not mathematically, goal difference, just, um, uh, th they're also going to go down. How do you think this one's going to go, <laughs> Goglin? Uh, no, I think I, if you ask me between for this this six pointer, it's, it's it's if I was a betting man, I'll put my money on Forest because they they have the desire and the that that I was watching them in a couple of games against the Villa game and a couple of games after that. They, they they're playing good football. It's just that they're not putting the ball in the net, right? And you know, I think that uh, that Bond is it Bournemouth that they let in two goals at the end? Or is it Brentford? Uh, Brentford. Brentford, yeah, Last Brentford. Week. Brentford. Yeah, last week. I mean, that was shocking, you know, to, to lose that game in the final minutes, of the, especially after leading and trying to sneak that three points. But this six-pointer, I think they'll be up for it. They know how much it means to the fans and and, and it, it, 
to both sets of fans. Who's playing at home? Sorry, I didn't watch. Forest. Forrester at home. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. So there's, I, I, there's an advantage. Yeah. But yeah, Gugler, don't, you, don't you kind of feel like Southampton have, have I mean, they've been they've been in trouble in the Premier League for such a long time. They've been on. I feel like they've been bor- on borrowed time for a long time. Yeah, well, they've always been a great side. They, like I said earlier in the show, they, they, what Brighton are doing now is what Southampton used to do, right? So it's the natural thing that the teams like this, if they do not get a benefactor of sorts, it's always going to be in and out, and then eventually you will be in a relegation battle. Mm. There's uh, no way to sustain this if you get if your best players keep being bought every season. How are you to sustain unless you have a great academy? And, you know, they do have a great academy. But, you know, at one point, it comes to a point where it, it can, it's unsustainable. Mm. And you are in a well, relegation battle. You will see this happen over and over again until their big money comes in. Uh, because gosh. the games have changed. No, the goalpost has changed considerably. Brighton mm. are bucking the trend here, you know. Um, Brighton have got a, a, a fairy godfather in Tony Bloom. He's not in the league of a sovereign wealth fund. Certainly not. But... He's one hell of a, an owner. And Brighton not only lost uh, three or four of their best players uh, this season in, in the window, Cucurella, Bissouma, uh, Trossard, and Mope, right? That's four of their best players. They lost their manager, Graham Potter, and they lost half their coaching staff and most of their recruiting staff to Chelsea. And yet, still... They build and do better. It's incredible. I, I've I've read quite a bit about Brian and also written about them. They have a scouting network in South America, which is second to none. I think the even the Brazilian South and yeah, Argentine I know. I, I read about haven't that got Atlantic, haven't yeah. got as good a network. I mean, the recruitment officer learned Spanish to help him uh, ease. The um, the signings, you know, I mean, they are so well organized. And look at the signings: McAllister, eight million pounds. Mituma, he cost uh, three million. Three million. They, they're going to sell them for twenty times. Well, McAllister, ten times what they paid. Uh, Mituma, they could get fifty or sixty million for him. He cost three million. They uh, there's they've got a a new um, Estupinan, the yeah. uh, Ecuadorian Defender. left back. Uh, ready-made replacement for Cucurella, whom they sold to Chelsea for sixty-five million. They've got a guy for nothing to replace him. He's just as good. They keep doing this, and it's because of their brilliant scouting network and the database that Tony Bloom has. He's supposed to have the world's best database. I mean, he was an ex-bookmaker, uh, mm. and. He's he's got all the stats on every single player in the world, and then they've got the scouts to so go and go and watch them. They, I mean, it's an incredible story. No, no, I yeah. agree. I completely agree with you. But I'm just saying whether it's sustainable. At a certain point, we will. It will come down to the fact that when the money runs out, and when this all this comes to because the goalposts keep change, getting changed, even with Villa. Well, Without the funding that came in, you know. Yeah, you know, and, but and now possible. we're looking at that. We are looking at Ferran Torres. It's possible, though, if, let's say, a Brighton get into um, a couple of years of uh, Champions League 
And of they course, can, of course, yeah. Then, and if they then bank that possible. money, but, but then, then again, then, Leeds then, United, they they were had a few years of Champions League, didn't do them any favors. <laughs> um, hey, by well, the way, they, they did they did have a they did have an owner, right? I mean, they, they had did have an owner. Terrible. Who, oh, well, he, blew, yeah. he blew the money, didn't he? Exactly. He yeah. So. Yeah. By the way, Bob, you have just used up your time to talk about Nottingham Forest. Very clever. <laughs> so, well, can we go into Fergie time? <laughs> just very quickly, Bob. Very quickly, seriously. Uh, Forest Southampton, do you think Forest can get any points? They have to. They have to. After the Brentford experience, I think as a um, as a wounded veteran of many England penalty shootout failures, <laughs> I can't say that I have ever been more gutted than I was last Saturday night when we conceded those two goals to Brentford. That was that was absolutely the pits that really did take some recovering from. But I, th- I trust they, the players have, and I, if they don't uh, beat Southampton at home with a crowd behind them, then they're, they're going down. It's yeah. as simple as that. Well, Bob, you can always start supporting a different club. Never too late. Well, I do support Notts County, but they're, <laughs> yeah, in, a, well, that, they're yeah. in the playoffs from the National League. So there's some uh, there's a bit yeah. of jeopardy there, too. Something there, yeah. So, uh, Gogolin, Fulham versus Leicester. Leicester, for me also, a big surprise that they'd be down there. But I kind of feel, I got a feeling that they're sort of picking up some kind of momentum. They're also on 30 points by goal difference. Uh, how do you feel about Leicester's chances? Uh, again, like I said, I think, I personally think it's between down to Everton and uh, Leeds. So, you know, Leicester, uh, like you said, picking up the momentum. And I think Dino will get them out of it. I have a soft spot for Dean Smith, obviously. And I think he knows what he's doing. He's one of the guys you bring in to firefight this name type of things. The Roy Hodgson type of guy. You know, look look at what Palace did with uh, Roy Hodgson and you know where they are now. And, yeah, exactly. We're all laughing at that point. Oh well, yeah, so, yeah. So let's not let's not knock it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I don't think his press conferences are like Big Sam, where he claims to be better than Pep. And uh, no, no. To be him. fair, he didn't say he was better than, but he said he was in up in there in the same league. Well, I have the exact word for word for what he said. Yeah, you're right. He didn't say he's better, but we all know what he meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Big Sam in it. And uh, Jamie Vardy, uh, Bob, Jamie Vardy has been, uh, he's coming, he's scoring a few goals now. He's back. That's very important, isn't it? He looked like the old Vardy, didn't he? Um, very unlucky uh, not to get a second, that that one uh, which hit the bar. Uh, he got just a fraction too much on it. Otherwise, that would have been uh, done and dusted. But he looked, uh, he looked like the young Vardy, didn't he? Dancing around the keeper, slotting it home. Um, I think he uh, he's probably just sort of come back. Well, I mean, he's not really been away. He just hasn't been picked or hasn't been starting for a long time. Um, I think they've got enough about them, Leicester, to stay up. They certainly, on merit, you would never have them as uh, as relegation um, material in this division. There are there are certainly more than three teams worse than Leicester. And Forrester, one of them. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Okay, well, we're going to uh, take a short break. When we get back, we're going to look at the battle more for the top uh, of the, the Premier League uh, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Just for Kicks with me, Cam Ruslan, Bob Holmes and Goglin and... Des Corkill has still not quite arrived. I think he's made an unscheduled uh, trip to Saudi Arabia, and uh, we in the, the Just for Kicks management are not happy about that. Uh, well, is he negotiating on our behalf? 
we're going to be bought over by sovereign wealth fund how would we feel about that i think we would very quickly be okay with it um so uh look we're gonna look at the top of the league and the match is coming up so goglan newcastle versus arsenal um newcastle have well i mean you know what can you say they're in third uh a lot of money has been thrown at them and perhaps it I don't know. Uh, well, they, a lot of money been thrown at them, but they, they have, they have, we've spoken about this again. They have a great squad that is, you know, seamless in how they play their football, and the only blip being their loss to Villa so far this season on that run in, and after that they came back with a uh, uh, with that victory against Spurs. You know, that five six was it six nil? Yeah, six one or whatever. So they are they are in good form. They're playing against an Arsenal side who are scraping and scraping, and you know they will give it until the end. But um, this will be uh, this will be this will be uh, three points in Newcastle, if you ask me. You know, it's uh, Arsenal are looking over their shoulders. That again, they have that ragged look about them. They, that Chelsea game was a good flip booster for them, but this Newcastle side are on a roll right now, and they're playing with really good confidence. So. So that would be game over for Arsenal. In if they lose this game, yes. So I, I, I don't think they'll win it. The maximum they can get out is a point a draw. Uh, Bob, Newcastle United. Uh, I, you know what? I, I would like for them though to to not be sensible anymore uh, over summer to put in a bid for Lionel Messi and uh, uh, Kylian Mbappe and and all that kind of thing. I think it'd be fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know where you're coming from. They've been uh, disappointingly sensible yeah. about their signings, haven't they? You know, I mean, one or two of them uh, we've barely heard of, uh, but they've they've turned out well. Uh, I know what you mean, and I think that Newcastle fans probably, um, when they first heard about who they were signing, felt that way as well. You know, they were hoping for Mbappe was even mentioned, wasn't he, by the fans? Um, but then when they saw them play, of course, and they see where they are on the table, third, wow, that's, that'll do, you know. Uh, forget about Messi and Mbappe and all that. And as we know from PSG, they don't always uh, work together. They're not the greatest team members, mm. are they? And now um, Messi looks like he's, uh, he's on his way out of PSG. So, yes, he would be available. But could you really see Messi in Newcastle? Either in um, on the field or off it. <laughs> that would be that would be fun. It's, it's be hard to yeah. imagine, isn't Him, it? Uh, Jimmy Five Bellies still around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, Goglin, uh, Arsenal. If Arsenal end this season, at, say a point behind Man City in second, is that still that's still a good season, isn't it? It's a great season for where they were last season. You know, for them, they were scraping for. Uh, Champions League last against the Spurs side, and you know we all know how that went. And look at where they are now. So regardless of what happens this season, they have had a great season. Yes, they were never thought they were going to be uh, fighting with the champ, uh, what, the Premiership at one point, and then they realized, oh, wait a minute, we can actually go out and win this. And they were rightly to think so because they were the uh, one of the two best uh, teams in the country, right? Mm. But I, I said they, even if they don't finish with anything this season, they have had a great season. As an Arsenal fan, you should really, really be proud of your team and what Arteta has done. I always say, trust the process with Arteta. He will know what to do. He has sorted out the team. He's got rid of the troublemakers. He's got rid of uh, players who weren't performing. He's got built a team around his own his own philosophy. Regardless of what happens this season, they have had a great season in my books. Yeah, Arsenal fans being satisfied with... 
I don't know. I've never heard of that. I've never seen that one before. So uh, meanwhile, though, uh, Bob, Manchester United, still the most popular club in this country and around the world. They're playing West Ham away at West Ham. Manchester United are going to finish, I don't know, third, fourth. What what are Uh, the missing pieces there? Well, I think they're going to finish uh, fourth, aren't they? Um, Barring a, a major collapse. Liverpool um, have got to win every game just about. United have got to lose uh, almost all theirs. Uh, and they're not, uh, I don't think they're in the form to catch Newcastle. So fourth place is is where they're going to finish. And I think that is actually, a uh, on top of what else they've achieved, I think they've had a pretty good season. When you look back to how it started with Ronaldo refusing to go on the tour, uh, not turning up for preseason training, starting a major tantrum that lasted for three or four months and just about nearly nearly uh, damaged the, the season permanently. I think they've done remarkably well. Two, two uh, domestic cup finals, um, uh, one already won, and uh, securing a place in the Champions League next season. I think that's been a brilliant achievement. And but for the uh, presence of uh, Pep Guardiola, I think Eric Ten Hag would be manager of the year for, yeah. for what he's done to overcome all those obstacles and produce a side. Okay, they're not functioning quite right at the moment, but they do have a lot of injuries. Um, I think they we've we've spoken about this before on here. They need they need two or three top players. In key in, positions. In, in what, are, and, what are those positions? Well, centre-back. I, I, in fact, I think they need more than one centre-back, personally. Um, and uh, centre-forward, if you like to use an old-fashioned term. And number nine, I don't think Marshall, Martial is reliable enough fitness-wise. I think he's, he's got the talent, but he's he spends more of his time injured than mm. uh, fit. So Rashford is best on the wing. Harry Kane, then. Well, Harry Kane, yes, but um, I I don't know what's going to happen. I, I I mean, Daniel Levy is a very difficult uh, mm. customer to deal with. Um, they're going to ask too much for him. Uh, I mean, he will be 30 in July. So by the time the season starts, he'll be a 30-year-old player. Um, to ask $100 million or more for a 30-year-old striker is really asking a bit too much, I think. Yeah. So, Gogolin, are you uh, are you on the Ten Hag uh, bandwagon? Are you thinking that uh, just a few players and and Manchester United could be a real contender? Of course, they, 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 should, they should have been a contender this season because of what he's done. You know, the, ever since Ronaldo left, the players have been found found the system. They're adapted to the system. There's still a defensive lapses and all this, but they have the squad. Again, a tweak here, a tweak there. You know, get a young squad coming in and build with that squad. United can uh, have a very, very rosy future if they really can stick with Ten Hag, first of all. And second of all, they start building that academy players they have. They have a great academy that we never hear about half the time. Well, uh, meanwhile, um, we have our Cristiano Ronaldo has finally agreed to emerge from the dressing room. He's 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 agreed to come on the pitch. Uh, Des Corkill. Belated uh, introductions, everybody. It, um, <laughs> all is good. Yes. Well, uh, Des, you're, you're just in time, actually, to uh, join in with our Liverpool talk. Um, 
I'll, I'll let you do some warm-ups on the side of the pitch first <laughs> whilst we talk about Liverpool v Brentford. And Bob, Liverpool's season has been, well, I mean, I don't know about you. I had them down as bit coming second and, and competing with Man City all the way. They're, they're kind of coming good-ish now. Yeah, um, I, I did too, actually. <laughs> I thought that uh, that team, that that great team, um, could have gone for another season. Um, I th- but injuries again um, have uh, taken their toll and one or two players have also shown that they are probably past their best. So a combination of factors, really terrible, terrible misfortune with in- injuries. I mean, way more than than any other club except Forest, of all people. Those are the two clubs in the Premier League that have had more injuries just about than the rest put together. Um, so uh, I think they've done very well to to kind of come back late in the season. Uh, I thought they were going to do what they did uh, two or three years ago with Allison's famous header and actually make it into the top four. But they left it a bit too late. And I think the loss, as I said earlier, the loss of Luis Diaz, early on in the season. I mean, he's missed most of the season. I think that's a massive factor because it's not only his stats, his, I mean, his goals and his, and his assists are very good, but his ebullience, his spark, dynamism. I mean, he, you can't replace that. And that, that was a real bonus when they bought him for relatively uh, little money, wasn't it? It was about 40 million. That, that, price seems to be the one if liverpool buy somebody for 40 million they the odds are that they're going to turn out to be worth about 60 or 70 because they salah was only 30 odd million you know money uh diaz was an absolute bargain and he's he's changed them already you can see the difference and whereas darwin nunes is still in and out still a work in progress you know not a total failure don't give up on him but of course he's not He's not being what we thought he would be, even at the lower price end, the sixty-four million, which is what they actually paid for him. He's yeah, not, been feel, a, not been I a feel sixty-four like, million. I feel like we player. haven't mentioned Darwin Nunes for a couple of months. I forgot about him. Uh, uh, Des, we're going to bring on Des Corkill now. He's going to come running onto the pitch. Hopefully, he doesn't pull his hamstring immediately. Uh, Liverpool, uh, this has been um, a strange season. I think you kind of predicted it. And it's, it's been transitional season. Um, a, a stat for Bob: only four other players have got a better goals per game or goals per minute ratio than Darwin Nunes this season. Um, he scored more goals than Luis Suarez did in his first season for Liverpool. So to even uh, categorise him as a failure uh, is 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 way way out of order. I um, didn't so- say he was a failure, Des. I you did said, not say. I said he's but, a work in progress. But you, 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 you point. You alluded to it, and I, I just want to redress. Not, not worth not sixty-four only. million. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> listen, listen. Only four of the players, and one of them is Haaland. They've got a better goals per minute ratio, which is which is pretty, pretty, pretty decent for somebody who's um, being written off by many, not but not by you. It's it's um, been a, a a work in progress. Here's one for you. All right, if Liverpool were to win all their games. They've got Villa at home, which is a really tough game, Leicester away. But if they were to win all their games, they accumulate 71 points. If Manchester United draw at West Ham, that's a possibility, draw at Bournemouth, and then get done by a Chelsea team who will do somebody before the end of the season, 71 points. And you're then on to 
goal difference between Liverpool and Man United for, for fourth place. I think Newcastle are third. But that is how Liverpool's season has improved on the um, on, on the back of the, the consecutive wins that they've they posted the first time they've been able to post uh, five wins in a row. So it's 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 out there. It's a little bit um, very very optimistic, but it's still possibility. Man United fans just be a little bit nervous about West Ham away on at the, the weekend. Yeah, but let's look. At, I mean, there there are clubs behind Liverpool who are you know not looking too shabby themselves. Uh, Brighton have got Arsenal and Villa to play, so Brighton will drop points. Tottenham have got Villa to play, um, so there's a good chance that um, Tottenham will drop points. And Villa. Uh, and Villa themselves, well, they've got Tottenham, Liverpool and Brighton to play. <laughs> so it's a, it's a really, really tough end for, for Villa. Um, so, yeah, well, Gogolin, you, you pass judgment then on Liverpool's season. Uh, again, for them to be, for them to, they had to write off the season. At one point, you know, the 7-0 against United was the high point of their season. So that says a lot about their season right now. Still is a high but, point. Hello. Sorry? <laughs> Yeah, I get high point. Yeah, I get, that's it. If that is the high point of the season, then yeah, that speaks volumes. But to go back now and where it's shaping up for that fourth spot and it's coming down to United against Liverpool is one of the, the subplots of the season, right? So that is now what the season is going to be down to Liverpool. They have something tangible to fight for. They know the it's there. So they will be they will go all guns blazing. Klopp will put that down as one of his uh, goals. It's definitely a goal. The team is already, I don't think needs to be incentivized enough for them to reel United in and to get that spot spot. So yeah, that is the summary of United's uh, Liverpool season right now. Reeling uh, in United for the fourth spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh well, uh, let's let's uh take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna look at uh, the remaining matches and uh, and also look at Malaysian football now that Des is here. Here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Uh, welcome back to part four of Just for Kicks with me, Gogolin, Bob and Des. And now, Gogolin, your moment in the sun. Wolves versus Villa. You've been away for about a month in that time. Villa have become the greatest club on earth. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and the it's great, all... the greatest story on, on earth for the past few couple of weeks. And I've been enjoying it in the have you though, have you? I didn't know you were you were capable of enjoying it. I know, hence why I, I have this thing that when I come on, I have to, you know. Or, like I said, I'm always overlooking my looking over my shoulder at the relegation threat, right? Well, can you explain uh, what Emery has done on the pitch? What's happening on the pitch? Again, I I've said this before a couple of seasons ago. When we when we got rid of Dean Smith, and God bless his soul, he did it great for us as a as a lifelong fan and all that, and he brought us up from the Championship to the Premiership. You go out to the continent and get a manager. That is the sign of respect. If you're going to get rid of Dean Smith, you're going to get a player a manager of a higher stature. Not Steven Gerrard. I said this over <laughs> and over again, and I was, and unfortunately, I was right. Right, he's out of his depth. All right, in managing a club like Villa, he's out of his depth managing. I mean, Frank Lampard is putting the test, that story to the test also. All right, these guys are living on their names because they're Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard. That's it. Case closed. A couple of more seasons, yeah, maybe they go. Let's let them go and cut their teeth on the lower league teams and then come up. You do not get to manage premiership teams or neither Aston Villa because your name is Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard. All right. Well, this is fighting talk here. I know. I, I've, I've said it before. Des Cockhill is yeah. clawing at the screen. <laughs> but back to what Villa and what, look at what Unai Emery has done with practically the same squad. 17th yeah. when he took over. 
But what has he done? What yeah, are they he's, doing? He's, 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 he's a methodological player, a master tactician. He's a work workaholic. He is a consumer manager who, who works on and off the pitch. So he is cajoled the players into as a team. The only uh, addition being uh, Moreno to the squad. But you see, every player is playing out of his skin. The, the, the team has, has a belief that is as vibrating through the team. And you can see it in their football. Ollie That's... Watkins has become a different player all yeah. of a sudden. And yeah. the three players who were dropped in the beginning of Steven Gerrard's uh, uh, tournament, Minks, Watkins and uh, Cash. Okay, well, because... Des, yeah, Des, I do want to, I, I've been wanting to ask you this. Do you think um, Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard, for that matter, can get a job as a manager in a top flight again? Uh, Steven Gerrard, can uh, Lampard's uh, double problems at first Everton and now Chelsea suggest that he's had his, his last chance? But um, Steven Gerrard, did, uh, he did encouraging things at the start of the run, but I, I, I think the results prove that Unai Emery has come in with the same squad. I remember at the start of not this year, but last year, we looked at the Villa signings and we thought, hey, that's a good team. That's a, that's a potential top six team. Under the right care, under the right management, Unai Emery has proven that, that um, those predictions were correct and they are a top six or seven team. Um, so, yeah, but Stephen Gerrard's, I don't understand how you get a, a big job. You, you've meant to do the, the, the groundwork first, which Gerrard did at Rangers, but um, I think Frank Lampard has had his last chance because uh, yeah. Chelsea's problems suggest that. Meanwhile, Bob Holmes, Tottenham Hotspur versus Palace, Crystal Palace. I don't even know which, 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 club to concentrate on Tottenham Hotspur eh, they're weird but that that young manager over at Crystal Palace the one who has the ponytail <laughs> and the, 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 the man bun the one of the man bun the man bun uh, Roy Hodgson I think is his name what was free scoring Crystal Palace what on earth well yes um I mean, they. Uh, we always said they were a good team but it seems as if it took a 75 year old to uh, actually unlock that uh, attacking talent. Uh, they couldn't score a goal for, to save their lives, could they, until Roy comes along. Uh, never known for prolific scoring in his teams in his entire career. And uh, they go and score five, I think, in his first game. So, And they're safe now. Uh, they are on the beach now. Um, we talked about hardly anybody being on the beach uh, a couple of weeks ago, but there are one or two teams. Palace is one of them. Spurs, well, they play as if they're on the beach. Um, mm -hmm. They play, uh, they don't bother about the first half. The um, The stats are, are do support what, what we imagine. They don't turn up for the first half. They've been behind in half their games this season at half time, um, which uh, is is a mountain to climb, and sometimes they've they've actually scaled it. Amazing comeback against Liverpool, for instance, only to throw it away again. Um, but what a funny team! Uh, and they've got worse since Conte left. The <laughs> uh, the five nil after twenty one minutes and the three nil after fifteen minutes both occurred. Both happened since. Antonio Conte resigned. So you can't blame it all down to him. So it, it is a bit mystifying, but clearly they're, they're, um, they're very much a work in progress, more so than Darwin Nunes. And uh, I think Levy has got some big decisions to make this, um, this season. He could sell Harry Kane for $100 million, perhaps and somebody would pay that and rebuild the team. But he's got a lot of players to get rid of there. 
who are not not fit to wear the shirt. Uh, I think it, it, they do need a clear out. And I think they've missed out on Pochettino. I think he he could have been persuaded to come back. Um, he loved the club. He did great work there before, but he's gone to Chelsea, which is a, another story, isn't it? And another basket case with even more money, well, a lot more money. And But I think if Spurs had really wanted him, they could have got Pochettino back. And I think that would have that would have been very happy. It could have been enough to keep Kane, keep the fans on side. But they've let him go. And I don't know who they're going to get now. It's, yeah. you know, who, who would want the job? You know, because um, he he was willing to come back. Well, uh, uh, the ongoing soap opera of Tottenham Hotspur will reveal itself over time. Goglin, Bournemouth versus Chelsea. This is this is incredible, right? This is twelfth against thirteenth, both on thirty nine points. As a Villa fan, I'm going to give you the opportunity to gloat about the awfulness of Chelsea. No, I think everybody's doing that. Has been doing this on the show week in week out. We expect them to show up and, you know, they still haven't. And like what that said, they're due they're, they're at three points. With that squad, come on. You really have to be a really they're bad manager. Due three points. Yeah. <laughs> That's <old> talk. <laughs> I know, right? You would yeah. think, but, you know. But so I think, yeah, this is uh, this is uh, where they get their three points from against but, Bournemouth. But also, let's just say Bournemouth. I mean, I think I certainly had, a few months back, I had them as like, written, they, they were down, but they've come back. It's quite incredible, really. I mean, uh, yeah. Again, it's, it's, they 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 on the beach. They 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 are safe. They should be safe. Quite and, uh, Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> and if you, if this Chelsea squad cannot get three points against the Bournemouth, and I think Lampard should just come to the Super League. <laughs> well, a terrible thing to say. Uh, <laughs> okay. Speaking of which, so uh, meanwhile, though, in Malaysia, Des Corkill, you've just driven all the way up from uh, JB. Uh, what's happening in Malaysia? Well, there is nothing going on in Malaysia at the moment because the SEA Games are taking place in Cambodia and the Malaysian uh, team uh, represented by the under-22s up there. And they got their campaign off to uh, a very good uh, start with a 5-1 victory over, La- uh, over Laos. Um, uh, it was one all. Uh, Ubadela scored at, at both ends uh, to make it one all, but then Malaysia e- eased away quite quite easily. The big matches they've got are obviously Thailand and Vietnam. They play Thailand on Saturday, tomorrow. Uh, Vietnam, they play on Monday. So they're the two big games. The top two teams from their group go through. They finish off with a match against Singapore, who haven't got a strong squad here uh, this year. So that's almost a given. So it's how they get on against Thailand and Vietnam that will decide whether or not uh, Malaysia will go to the semi-finals. Elibar Asin's got a, a decent squad. There's uh, It's a youngest squad, but there's a couple of lads there with uh, Super League experience. And it was very comfortable, the 5-1 against Laos. Let's just hope they can carry on that form on um, when they take on Thailand on, on um, Saturday. Can I ask you about Vietnamese and uh, indeed Thai football? Are they, are they, I mean, the league tables don't really lie, I guess. Are they, do you, do you, when you see them play, is there an, an extra quality to, to, to them? Yes. Categorically. Um, there's, more, there's, there's more competition. So they're young lads. They play in, in leagues. This has long been a bugbear for me about both uh, Malaysia and Singapore. There is no depth to the Malaysian league. So you've got these young lads who, if they're not quite good enough to play first team football regularly at the top flight, there's only 16 professional clubs in Malaysia. 
M3 isn't enough of a, a, a challenge for them. In Thailand, you've got four divisions. So if the players aren't able to, to make it at the top level, they can drop down. There's competitive um, under-21 and under-23 tournaments. In Vietnam, exactly the same. So the quality is different because the young lads are regularly playing in, in really important, um, comparatively important competitions. And to me, it just seems so obvious. If you have such a, a small professional setup, you've got no chance of success, none whatsoever, uh, unless you've got a Johor or somebody who's piling money into it. But even Johor are saying, we've got to develop youth, youth programs for um, uh, uh, for, for, for under underage teams, I know Scotty O'Donnell is trying. They, they they have a great academy at JDT though. The, the, they the do, but they've side, got no one to play dogs. That's the yeah, problem. This is true. That's why they're playing on all these regional tournaments, though, right? Precisely. Yeah. So you've got to have teams to play, and, and to me, it is just so damn so obvious. You've got to have competitive fixtures to make yourselves better. Um, and so that's why when Malaysia always will struggle because their players aren't used to playing at this very, very top flight. The fact they do make it to semi-finals regular, I think, is is a praise to the players and the management and the and the setup. But you just need more teams in Malaysia. Just need more 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 top flight teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, top flight teams like like yours and Gogolin's team. You're 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 uh, <laughs> at the highest level. So well, anyway, that brings us to the end of uh, this week's show. And I'd like to thank. Uh, um, Des Corkill, who decided to join us halfway through, no problem. Thank you. I'd also like to thank uh, or congratulate Naples, Napoli. They won the Scudetto for the first time since Maradona times. Yeah, great Luciano time. Spalletti in, in charge of um, he's once said a C, he's once said a B as a manager. Now he's once said a A. He's a, he's one of the characters of of world football. So well done, Luciano Spalletti. Well done, Napoli, and I'm sure the celebrations will be long and wild. Yeah, but can you do it on a cold night in Stoke on a Tuesday? <laughs> you know, that's the real challenge. We, we don't know. And uh, thank you. And also good luck uh, over the weekend to Bob Holmes. Uh, thanks. I think we need the luck. Um, not till Monday, actually. We don't play till Monday, oh, right. Tuesday morning right. here. So we, we uh, can enjoy the weekend before starting to bite our nails. Right. And thank you also to the ever now ever-victorious uh, Villa fan, <laughs> uh, Gogolin. Thank you. Cheers, and remember, Bob, you have that night with us watching Forest in the Championship, uh, Premiership. You can always look back on that. <laughs> <night>. <laughs> yeah. oh, we'll, we'll, it we'll it always, wasn't a highlight. <laughs> we'll always have Paris, is it? Not yeah, yeah. to do with the company. <laughs> yeah, and I hope you haven't jinxed, jinxed it by being on the show, Gogolin. Uh, it's all right. Everything now is a bonus for Villa. Okay. Yeah. And uh, thank you to our producer for this week's show, Hanif Baharudin. And uh, see you next time here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.